morning, good morning, good morning. Okay. Uh, first thing I want to say is you're here. You know that there's snow on the ground, right? And this is Victoria. And you still made it here today. I do not take that for granted. So thank you for being here, church. You're, if you're here in person, it's a minor miracle. Things shut down in Victoria over a little bit of snow, and you're here. So I'm grateful that you're here today. So thanks for being here, church. Uh, if you're brand new, we are in a series uh, looking at Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, and I should probably say my name is Pastor Tyson. I'm one of the pastors on the team here. Um, and we're, we're in Ephesians chapter 2 looking at a series called Plan, Purpose, and Posture. And, and if you don't know what Ephesians is all about, it is uh, the Apostle Paul helped plant a church in Ephesus. And then a couple years later, he wrote them a note of encouragement, a note to spur them on and encourage their faith. And, and there's so many beautiful things that he communicates throughout this letter uh, about the benefits of being in Christ. And so today we're going to look at some more of those benefits and, and some really basic but beautiful Christian truths. And so if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to flip to Ephesians chapter 2 starting in verses 8 to 10. And if you don't have Bibles with you, that's okay. It'll be on the screens for you to follow along with me here. So it says this, For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. We, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he had prepared for us ahead of time for us to do. This is God's word for us today, so let's uh, pause for a, a moment of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this portion of Scripture and the, the reminder of your grace in our lives. I pray that today, God, you would help us to see and to understand uh, that we are your workmanship, that, God, you have created us and saved us for good works. And so I pray that in this time together this morning, God, you would take and use it to encourage us, to challenge us, and to point us ultimately to, towards you, Jesus. In your name we pray these things. Amen. Well, last week, Pastor Sean opened up this three-week series of looking at Ephesians chapter 2, uh, walking us through the start of this chapter. And, and I don't know if you were here or if you, or if you remember, but the, the chapter starts with some bad news. Humanity is dead in sin. And this is where Pastor Sean shared one of his favorite phrases from the Bible, but God. And he really hit that but really hard. So if you want to go back and watch it, but God, that's the way Pastor Sean says it. So I'm not as emphatic as he is, but that's okay. He's, he's better at it than me. Uh, but God had a plan. That's, that, that's the whole point of it, is that God had a plan and he was rich in his mercy. And that plan was Jesus Christ to come to this earth, to give us a way to the Father, to, to save us. And so today, in these verses that we're looking at, we're going to continue along that idea. And it, there's three things specifically from this portion of Scripture that we read today that we want to unpack together. The first is that you have been saved by grace through faith. The second is that you are God's workmanship. The third is that he has created you and saved you for good works. So first, we have been saved by grace through faith. Maybe you're new to church and you don't know what this word of being saved is all about. Uh, or maybe you're just, you've been a part of a church for a long time and need a quick refresher. And so what does it mean to be saved? Uh, this is not an exhaustive list, but here is a quick summary to help us get started of what it means to be saved. 
The first thing is this. It means to be forgiven and cleansed of our sins. It means to be set free from slavery to sin, being in the cycle that we cannot break ourselves out of. The second thing, or the third thing is that it means that we are declared innocent by the judge of the universe. It means that we are reconciled to the creator where there has been a gap where there has been a brokenness in the relationship between us and our creator, that gap has been closed through Jesus and we have been reconciled to God. It means that we've been adopted into a new family of God. And it also means that we have been made a new creation. That is what we're talking about when we use the word saved. And so there are other different pieces of being saved in the New Testament that you'll see. That, so this is not exhaustive, but when we use the word saved, it's kind of a shorthand to mean all of these things. That salvation has come to us and we have been saved. And in this passage, it, it causes us to ask the question, how are we saved? And this text tells us that it is by grace through faith. Grace is the start. That is so crucial. One of my favorite things about growing up in the era that I did is I believe I grew up in one of the golden ages of Disney movies. Do we have any Disney fans in the house today? I grew up in the age of Aladdin, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Toy Story, and Tarzan. And yes, Tarzan deserves to be in that list because Phil Collins killed that soundtrack. That's a great soundtrack. Um, that's just an aside for free this morning. But there's a magical time to be alive as a child in that season because there was all these amazing Disney movies that came out. And one of the classics that we watched growing up was Sleeping Beauty. And if you have not seen Sleeping Beauty, spoilers ahead. But the evil Maleficent is jealous of the king and the queen, and so she tries to place a curse on their daughter, Aurora, that she will die on her 16th birthday. But there's three fairies who save Aurora, and so she doesn't die on her 16th birthday, but just falls into a deep slumber that can only be awoken by love's true kiss. And everyone said, aww. So Aurora's waiting there, sleeping, awaiting love's true kiss, and today, let me encourage you with this. You are Princess Aurora. Did you come to church thinking you'd be called a Disney princess today? You might be like, I'm a bit more of a Jasmine girl myself. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go more modern. I, I'm really an Elsa kind of girl, me. But today, just bear with me. You are Princess Aurora, okay? Why I say this is because this is the picture of humanity that we see in Scripture. To go back to last week, Ephesians 2, verse 1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. The Bible says that every human being is in a death sleep of sorts, just like Princess Aurora. We are not capable of waking ourselves up. And I know that this is actually a very contrary message to, to the way that our culture often talks about humanity today. Many in our culture today would say humanity is basically good. I mean, especially if I'm just talking about myself. I, I'm, I'm basically good. There's a few things that I do that are, that are not great, and, but there's, those, are the, those are in the minority. I'm basically good. And so in this kind of framework, the question is, what does God have to offer me? Why do I even need God's grace if I'm basically good? In this way of thinking, God doesn't really have much to offer aside from a slight enhancement on an already good life. But the Bible paints a very different picture. God isn't just making good people better. He is making dead people live. 
And that is a very different story. He's not just making good people a little bit better. He is making dead people live. And that's why we're Princess Aurora, sleeping beauties, unable to awake ourselves. And this is where grace is the kiss that wakes us up. God's grace is the embrace that wakes us from our slumber. And this is why Paul goes on to say, it is a gift from God. It is not something that we can do on our own. It is not something that we can earn. It all starts with God making the first move. He came to this earth through Jesus, stepped into the mess, and took on our sin and shame, and then he rose from the grave and gave us new life. And that is what grace is all about, is he is the one who stepped out and initiated it. God initiates in his grace, and then we respond to his grace with faith. Grace leads to faith. Grace, then faith, not faith, and then grace. By God's grace, we are awoken from our sleep, and how we respond is faith. In Scripture, faith is all about putting our trust in something. So take this stool, for instance. If I were to say I have faith in this stool, what I'm saying is I, I have the faith that I, when I sit on it, it's not going to collapse underneath me. Now, I've sat on some chairs before that I do not have that kind of faith in. For instance, our blue chairs in this church. If you've never been to a community function or Alpha, come on out. Try one of those chairs. My faith is wavering in those chairs. As Pastor Sean showed us a couple weeks ago, they've been in this church for 50 years. So if you want to donate to some new chairs, feel free. But when I say I have faith in this stool, what I'm saying is when I sit on it, I trust that it's sturdy. I trust that it will hold me. I trust that when I put my weight on it, it can bear what I'm putting on it. And this is the biblical picture for faith. Faith is not just blind leaps. Faith is not just me sitting down wherever, trusting that there will be a chair there. Faith is responding to the grace that God has given to us and saying, I want to trust in that. I want to put my hope and my trust and my belief that everything that leads to life is found in Jesus. That is what faith is all about. It is not a blind leap. It is a response to when we see God's grace given to us, how we respond is by putting our weight in, in it and saying, I'm going to trust that for life. I'm going to trust that that is the way, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that is what faith is all about. Faith is not the starting point. Grace is the starting point. And faith is how we respond when we are awoken from our slumber to that. To go back to Sleeping Beauty for a moment today, when the, when the prince came and, and woke her up with that kiss, how does she respond? Does she say, gross, what are you doing? <laughs> I was fine. I was just having a really long nap. Leave me alone. Does she say, oh, it's about time. Took you long enough. No. She looks up and smiles. And then she embraces him, and they go on to get married. And again, in the 9 a.m., someone at that point said, aww. I wasn't ready for it, and it made me laugh. So <laughs> that is what faith is all about. We have been woken up from our slumber, and we respond to what God has done in his grace by putting our faith and our trust in him. Just like I put my weight on that stool, faith is banking it all on God's grace, putting our hope and our trust in him. Grace leads to faith, and then going back to the passage that we read this morning, we see that faith leads to two things for us at least. 
The passage says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. Two things in this passage result from grace and faith. You become God's workmanship, and as a result of that, you walk in good works. So first, you are God's workmanship. The word that Paul uses for workmanship is this little Greek word, poema. And it's where we get our English word poem from. But it doesn't just mean a poem. It really means a, a work of art, handiwork of all kinds, with an emphasis on order and beauty. And what Paul is trying to communicate to, to the church in Ephesus and to us today is that each one of us is a work of art. Look at the person sitting next to you. They are a work of art. Now, don't get creepy and use that as some kind of like pickup line. <laughs> Girl, you're a work of art. Okay. Not going there. Don't do that. But what Paul is saying is that you are a work of art. You are a masterpiece in God's eyes. I love the way that Pastor Tim Keller summed up this idea. It's a bit of a longer quote, so, so bear with me, but I think it's so helpful. And he said this, Do you know what it means that you are God's workmanship? What is art? Art is beautiful, art is valuable, and art is an expression of the inner being of the maker of the artist. Imagine what that means. You're beautiful, you're valuable, and you're an expression of the very inner being of the artist, the divine artist, God himself. You see, when Jesus gave himself on the cross, he didn't say, I'm going to die just so you know that I love you. He said, I'm going to die, I'm going to bleed for your splendor. I'm going to recreate you into something beautiful. I will turn you into something splendid, magnificent. I'm the artist, you're the art. I'm the painter, you're the canvas. I'm the sculptor, you're the marble. You don't look like much there in the quarry, but I can see, oh, I can see, Jesus is an artist and you, beloved, are his crowning achievement, his masterpiece. Do you believe that about yourself today, church? That you are God's masterpiece, his workmanship, created as a work of art. And what this says is that you are valuable, you are beautiful, you are not an accident. God has taken his time and skillfully created and crafted you. You are uniquely designed, a one of one from God. And you are an expression of the very inner being of the artist, God himself. That is what it means when we say you are God's workmanship. And the tragedy is that each one of us, as works of art, have been defaced or damaged. This is the result of sin in our world. Each one of us are works of art, but we've been damaged. And this is where God is the master artist and restorer, who by grace through faith is restoring the damaged art of all of creation and each one of us. An illustration that I found helpful to kind of understand this picture is the Japanese art of kintsugi. If you've never heard of this before, the word kintsugi means join with gold. It is the art of repairing broken objects, often ceramic or, or glass, with gold lacquer and putting them back together again, creating a more beautiful object through the act of breaking and repair. And here's a picture of one of the bowls. The broken pieces are put back together with that gold. And this is such a beautiful picture for what God does in each one of our lives. 
There are broken pieces to the works of art that we are, but God, by his grace, comes and puts us back together, and his gold makes us even more beautiful than we were before. God redeems and restores that was, that was broken in each one of our lives. And the beauty of this is that it means that we do not have to hide our brokenness as Christians. A lot of our world says, don't let them see you sweat. Don't let people see your brokenness. Don't let people see the cracks in your armor. But the Christian worldview says, God already saw them and still died for you. God already saw what was broken and he said, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to put you back together. And that's why we do not have to hide our brokenness. When we do not have it all together, we can bring our broken pieces back to the artist and he puts us back together. The second thing that this shows us is that we do not, as the, the pot, need to look at the potter and say, why did you make me this way? Every piece of art serves a purpose. To use pottery as the example, some pieces are bowls, others are vases for flowers. Some are mugs, while others are plates. Every piece has its purpose, and it's designed by the creator and the artist. And this leads to the second part of what we read earlier. We are God's workmanship, created in Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Think about the first thing I want you to think about with this is where does works fall in the order? The order goes grace, faith, workmanship, and then works. Works are not at the start. And this is different in Christianity than other worldviews out there. Other worldviews will say, if you do enough good, you'll get God's attention. If you are a good enough person, you can achieve. If you are spiritually enlightened enough, if you do enough works, you can go on the good path. But what Christianity says is, no, friends, grace is the starting point, not our good works. We cannot wake ourselves up from the slumber we cannot earn God's love any more by the good works. We cannot earn his favor in our lives any more by good works. Grace is the starting point. And I know that intellectually, but sometimes we can forget that. And we can come back to the place of thinking, works are where it all started. I'm not reading my Bible enough. I'm not praying enough. I'm not whatever you want to fill in the blank, caring for the poor going to Bible studies. I'm not doing whatever enough. We can think that works was what started this whole process. And we need to remember today, grace is the starting point. Grace, faith, workmanship, and then good works. And this is really important because you could put it this way. You are not saved by works, but you are saved for works. I love the way that Daryl Johnson sums up this idea. He just says, salvation is a vocation, not a vacation. That's so good. Salvation is a vocation, not a vacation. What this means is that there is purpose for your life today, friends. There is a purpose for your life when you are awoken from that slumber by grace. There is a purpose for your life. Going back to Sleeping Beauty, think about this. If she woke up in that room from true love's kiss and she just said thank you and sat there for the rest of her life, what would you say? Okay, she woke up, but she's missing the point. 
She's missing that she now has a future and a life to live. She's missing that she now has someone to carry on the rest of her days with. There is a walk for her to walk in. And this is the whole point of, the, of this passage that we need to get home in our hearts and in our lives, is that when grace has awoken of us and we've responded in faith, we have a new and amazing calling and purpose to our lives. We are new creations who have good works to walk in. We used to walk in sin and death, but the biblical idea is that we have now changed directions and we have new works to walk in, new works to go towards and move towards. And in the rest of Ephesians, you'll hear this language over and over again of walking. Ephesians 4, chapter 1, walk in a manner worthy of the calling you've received. 4.17, walk no longer as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Ephesians 5, walk in love, walk as children of the light, walk filled with the Spirit. And in this text, we are told to walk in good works. And this has at least two applications for us. First, there are general good works for every Christian to walk in. There are things that are calling for each person in this room who would say, yes, I'm following Jesus. But then there are also specific good works that God has created for us as unique people. So first, the general good works for all of us. Again, there's, this is not an exhaustive list, but here's a few good works that we can all walk in. First, loving God and loving our neighbor. When Jesus sums up the entire law, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's just a general good work that we are called to walk in. Another one is following Jesus' way and his teaching. We are not saved by perfectly following Jesus' way and his teaching, but they are the way to life. When we walk in step with them, they are good works for each one of us. And as we walk in step with Jesus' teachings and his way, the Holy Spirit transforms us and we begin to look and love more and more like Jesus did in our lives. The third thing is sharing our faith. We are called as believers to share the good news that we have been awoken from our slumber. And I I know for some of us in the room today, that is an anxiety-inducing proposition. You want me to do what? You want me to share my faith with people? I trip over my words. I am not an eloquent person. I cannot share my faith with someone. And if that's where you're at today, I want to encourage you. You heard about that course that we offer earlier called Contagious Faith. And the focus of this course is that there is an authentic way that God has wired and designed you to share your faith. You do not have to be a square peg in a round hole and try and be someone that you're not, but there are ways that you can grow and be equipped to share your faith in a powerful way. And so if you want to sign up for that, Aaron Hambly does an amazing job of facilitating it, and I would highly encourage you. We want to equip you to share faith. And the last one that's a, a, a good work that is kind of general is walking in justice and mercy. I'm reading through the Old Testament as a part of my devotional time right now. One of the things that I'm struck by time and time again in the prophets is that God cares for the poor and the oppressed. God cares for those on the margins. God cares for the people that society has turned their back on. And he cares deeply about injustice. And as his people, we are called to follow his example. When Jesus in the New Testament comes across moments of people who are hurting, people who are down and out, the phrase that's often used in scripture is that his heart was moved in compassion towards those people. Think about the parable of of the Good Samaritan. 
that person stops when he sees someone who is hurting and down and out and it reflects God's heart. We are all called to walk in justice and mercy as Christians. And all of these are general good works that we are invited into as God's masterpieces. But I think Paul also has in mind unique and specific calls upon each new creation as well. I think there are specific good works that God has called each one of you to. If you think about it, this is exactly actually how Paul introduces himself. He says, I am an apostle to the Gentiles. He knew that there was a specific calling on his life to go and to be the one to bring the good news to the Gentile nations. There was something unique that God had made him and wired him to do. And the beautiful thing is that that's true for each one of us in this room today too. God has uniquely designed certain things for each one of us to walk in and good works that only you can do. There are people that only you can reach. There are situations that only you can impact. God has put us in places and with people around us for specific good works for each one of us. The thing I love about this passage is that it says that those good works are actually prepared in advance for us too. What does that say? That says that you weren't God's last pick for what you're called to do. He wasn't like, oh, I got to get somebody to do this. I guess Tyson's still kicking around. Let's throw him at this one. He prepared specific things in advance for you to walk in. Do you believe that today, church? There are unique things that God has wired you and gifted you for. And that's why as a church, one of the tools that we try to help people realize this and step into this is what we call a shape assessment. And this is really an acronym. SHAPE is an acronym for spiritual gifts, uh, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. Each one of those is unique to you. You are your own unique shape. And we want to try and come alongside you and help you see, okay, how has God wired me? What are the passions on my heart? What are the experiences in my past? And where do those things intersect so that maybe I can step into the purpose that God has created me for and designed me for and saved me for? We are each called to unique good works. And so if you want to learn a little bit more about the shape assessment, it's on our website just under the serve tab. You can fill that out and we'd love to walk alongside you with that. You may look at someone else's good works and go, I could never do that. But you know what? Maybe you have the gift of hospitality and you'd love to open up your home to someone for a meal or a small group. Maybe you love kids and you want to serve in kids' ministry. Maybe you're passionate about ending human trafficking and you want to serve in an organization that does that. Or maybe you care about the environment. The point is, none of us are wired exactly the same and have the exact same gifts. None of us can do all of the good works. There are some that are specifically for you. You are needed and valued. We can't do every good work, but there are specific ones that God has laid out for you. And so my question for you today is this. What are the good works God has prepared for you? What are the things that are unique to you? And are you walking in those good works? Not did you walk in them 10 years ago? What are the unique things that God has wired you and given you passion for today, right now, in this season? And are you being obedient and walking in those good works right now? This is where our heart, our gifts, our personality intersect and we step into bringing beauty and help to others in this world. And we are new creations and now we get to partner with Jesus in living this new kingdom that he is bringing here and now. 
And as we draw to a close this morning, I want to give us two simple encouragements for the week ahead for when it comes to good works that we are called to walk in. The first is this, trust the artist. You are God's workmanship. You are his work of art. You may look at your life right now and say, how can I be a masterpiece? You don't know my story. You don't know my past. You don't know the mistakes I've made. You don't know where I've been. You can't call me a masterpiece today. I want you to remember that Kintsugi pottery. Jesus is in the business of taking our broken pieces and putting them back together. That is what he will do with your life if you trust the artist. If you lay before him the broken pieces, Jesus will bring that gold and put you back together and make you a beautiful masterpiece. God can redeem and restore anything that is broken. And so if today you're sitting here going, I've got too much stuff, you don't know my family, you don't know my story, all these things that you think are holding you back from being useful in the good works, let me encourage you once again today, trust the artist. God knows what he is doing. We do not have to be afraid of those things because we are his workmanship and he is the great artist. And this is where I'm so encouraged by Romans chapter eight, where it tells us that God is behind the scenes working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. That is who you are today if you are in Christ. He is working all things together. The parts of your past that you don't like, the parts of your past that you're ashamed of, the parts of your past that are hurting still today, God can heal and put those things back together. That is who he is. In his grace, he wants to bring wholeness to your life and make you into a beautiful masterpiece if we trust the artist. The second thing that I want to leave you with as a good walk or good work to walk in this week is this. Help others see themselves as God's masterpiece. The people that you come across this week, help them to see that God has made them and designed them as a unique piece of art that God is turning into a masterpiece. As a Christian friend, a spouse, a parent, we now get the gift of helping others see that God has greatness that he has put in them and that he is making them into a masterpiece. We can ask God to open up our eyes to see the people around us and to see the things that God has put into them and into their lives. And so I want to encourage you this week, just pause and say, God, is there anyone that you want me to, to encourage anyone that you want me to help them see the masterpiece that you've put in them. A friend, your child, a student, your spouse, your employee. We get to now partner with God in uncovering the masterpiece that God is bringing about in each person. Is that not an amazing purpose? This is the good work that we can walk in this week. So to sum up Ephesians chapter 8, verse 10, eight, Ephesians chapter 2, 8 to 10, you have been saved by grace through faith. This is God's gift for each one of us, and we are God's workmanship. He has created us for good works to do ahead of time. So let's walk in these good works this week, church. Amen? All right, let's pray.
As we've talked about God's grace to us this week, I just want to pause for a moment and say, is there anyone in the room today that's, when they're hearing this, that God loves them, that God gave his life for them, that he wants to wake them up from a slumber? If there's anyone in the room today that wants to respond to that in faith, I would love to pray for you today. So if that's you and you're saying, yes, I want to respond to what God is doing, I just encourage you, you can put up your hand, just look at me quickly, and I'd love to pray for you. If there's anyone in the room today, you can do that now. Thank you. Jesus, thank you so much for your grace in our lives. God, we recognize today that we could not fix ourselves. We cannot make ourselves perfect. We cannot wake ourselves up out of this slumber. It is only by your grace that we can have new life. And so today, Lord, for for my friends in the room who are choosing faith and choosing to respond in faith, I just pray that, Lord, you would help that seed of faith today to grow, to grow in their lives, to put their hope and their trust in you more and more every day, to trust that you are the way to life, Jesus, to trust that your teachings and your way actually lead to life and freedom and hope. So God, help us to walk in that this week. Help these people, Lord, who are saying yes to you to step more and more into that this week into trusting you and to see themselves as the workmanship that you have created them to be. God, for my friends in this room today who, who hear this message about being a work of art, about being a masterpiece, and immediately their response is, not me. That might be for other people, but I, not me. I pray that today, Lord, you would just break through that lie of the enemy that says that they are not worthy of your love, that they are not special, that they are not cared about. I pray that, Lord, you would deposit this word deep into their hearts, that they are a work of art, that they are a masterpiece, that, God, you have created them and called them valuable, called them beautiful, called them loved. And, God, as your people, help us to operate from that as our starting point not looking around ourselves to earn love, to earn accolades, to earn things that will fill that hole, but help us to see that we start from a place of love, a starting point that is grounded in the fact that you gave your life for us and you have called us your masterpiece. And then God, open up our eyes to see the good works that are around us this week the general ones that we are called to walk in as your followers, Jesus, but also the specific ones that you have designed and made us for. Open our eyes, Holy Spirit, to see this week. We pray all this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today, church. I'm so grateful that you're here. And if uh, you are saying yes to following Jesus today and you want to take that next step in your faith journey, I want to encourage you to text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. One of our pastors would love to to walk with you and journey with you as you start your faith journey. Uh, We're grateful for you being here with us. If you're brand new, go say hi to Pastor James over in the Welcome Center. He'd love to meet you today and uh, walk in the good works that are created for you this week, church.